Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. Welcome to Healthy Mama Hacks, a weekly mini podcast where I share my best tips for hacking your healthy mama life with simple tips for easier eating, cooking, and living a healthy mama life in 20-ish minutes, about the time it takes you to fold a load of laundry. So let's do this, mama. Hey friend, welcome to Healthy Mama Hacks. I'm Chris, your host. I'm a trained chef with over a decade of experience in the culinary world, a certified holistic health coach, and a busy mama of two. And I am so excited about this series. We are jumping into all about cooking basics, becoming a better cook, which is definitely my favorite thing to talk about. In this series, I want to go through the basics of cooking, the things you might not have learned when you first learned how to cook, or maybe you you are just diving into learning how to cook whatever age you are, and I want to give you some hacks on becoming a more confident, efficient, and overall better cook. This series is for you if you are a brand new cook or you just want to become a better one. I've been teaching cooking classes for a decade in addition to being a chef, so I know a thing or two about teaching the basics, and today we are going to start with just that. We're going to begin by talking about where to begin when it comes to learning how to cook or how to become a better cook. Next week, we'll talk about the elements of flavor, how to make your food actually delicious using your senses. We'll talk about taste, texture, and temperature, whether you are just learning how to read a recipe. We'll talk about that too. Or you want to explore creating your own dishes from scratch. That is going to be an essential episode for you. In the next week, we will dive into cooking methods, how to actually get the outcome you want when you're cooking. If you've ever tried to roast veggies and they've come out soggy, I'll teach you exactly what you did wrong by talking about the different cooking methods, moist heat, dry heat, combination cooking methods, and get the outcome you want from the food you're trying to create. And then in the last of this series, we will talk about seasoning and I'll tell you exactly why you might not be seasoning correctly and how to enhance your food with one simple ingredient, salt. Overall, I hope this series helps you to become a more confident cook and make each and every one of your meals more delicious. So let's dive in. So let's take a second to talk about why you might want to learn how to cook. Or if you already know how to cook, why you might want to learn how to become a better cook. I think there is a big misconception that cooking from scratch, that cooking pretty much every single night just takes a long time and that cooking is a really hard skill to develop and that it's just such a burden that you might as well just grab 
takeout. And the reality is, when you have the basic skills to be able to cook and to be able to create delicious meals, your meals are going to be on the table way faster than waiting for takeout to get there, waiting for the Uber Eats driver to get to you, or driving to the takeout place and bringing the pizza home. And you don't have to be a gourmet chef or go to culinary school in order to be a really good cook and in order to make food that is really delicious and restaurant worthy. You can go as far as you want to when it comes to learning to cook. You can just learn the basics and you can stick with the basics if you want to, or you can dive in headfirst and you can learn more about flavors and cuisines and make it something that's a hobby. Wherever you are on the spectrum, I'm here to help you to become a better cook and make cooking feel less daunting and to help you get meals on the table in a way more reasonable time and at a way more reasonable price than grabbing takeout several times a week. Though, you guys know, I'm a big fan of takeout. I am a foodie as well as a chef, so I love to try new places. I love to go out to eat, especially on date night with my husband. I love to grab a good takeout and eat it on the couch while watching our favorite show. But I also really, truly love to cook. And I fell in love with cooking in high school when I decided I wanted to become a vegetarian. I am no longer a vegetarian, though I do love plant-based foods. I decided to become a vegetarian and my parents looked at me and they were like, we support you, but we don't know how to feed you. So you're going to have to feed yourself. And so I took that as a challenge and I started to learn how to cook. I started exploring different cuisines. That's when I found Japanese cuisine and sushi. At that point, I wasn't eating the fish part of the sushi and now I I love me some raw fish, especially because I am married to a half Japanese man and it's kind of a requirement in our family. I'm just kidding. He would never require me to eat anything, but I, we love it. And I learned, um, I found Indian food and Thai food and so many different plant-based options at the time. And it really started introducing me to new flavors that I had never tasted before. Growing up in New England, I didn't experience a lot of the tastes of Southern cuisine or kind of Southwestern cuisine. We had a lot of incredible seafood. And like I've said before on different podcast episodes, my dad had a really beautiful garden. So I experienced a lot of fresh vegetables. But I grew up with a grandmother who was English and made very plain foods and another grandmother who was Irish and made a lot of plain foods. And then I also did have a great grandmother who was Middle Eastern. So I did grow up with some really incredible Middle Eastern flavors, but we didn't have a ton of that in our family, Um, though I did love it when I did get to learn from her. She passed away when I was 13. I've always had a love for Mediterranean and Middle Eastern food, but My exploration into food, even though it started when I was young, if any of you know my story, I went through a long period of eating disorders and disordered eating and really having a a really difficult relationship with food. And so even though I ended up going to, to culinary school, it took some time to learn how to explore the world of food in a way that feels good for me too. And so I'm all about making food that is nourishing, delicious, but I'm also not afraid to add a couple pats of butter because butter makes everything more delicious. It's true. (laughs) So why do you want to learn how to cook? Or why do you want to learn how to become a better cook? I already really said these things, but we're going to outline them really quick. Number one, first and foremost, why learn how to cook or become a better cook? It is so much cheaper, so much less expensive. Cooking from scratch, so buying ingredients from the grocery store, cooking with ingredients instead of cooking with 
more processed foods. Yes, some processed foods are less expensive, but they're also less nutrient dense, which means we need more of them, which can mean innately we end up spending more money on them eventually, right? Because we're going to be hungrier more often when we're not eating foods that are giving our bodies the nutrients they need. And like I said, there's a time and a place for those type of foods, for packaged foods, for processed foods, for fast food. But if we want to be nourishing our bodies and actually feeling good and fueling our bodies on a regular basis, cooking from scratch is one of the easiest ways to do that. And it is way less expensive. You can cook up a pot of beans for pennies. And beans are super nutrient dense. They're high in plant-based protein. They're high in fiber. They're high in B vitamins. They're great for you. And that's actually going to be point number two. But the first point is that it is way less expensive to cook food at home than to get food from a restaurant or to grab takeout. And even though, yes, fast food can be cheaper, you got more bang for your buck when it comes to the food that you're going to eat, and you need less of the more nutrient-dense foods overall than you do the foods that are a little bit more processed in general. Okay, this isn't a rule, but they are going to, it is going to be way less expensive overall than getting takeout several times a week. Number two, it is innately healthier to cook food from scratch and to eat food at home. When you are cooking with ingredients primarily, and again, time and a place for processed foods, I love myself a good frozen pizza and the kids love dino nuggets. That's cool. We're all about that. We're all about balance. That's why my other podcast is the Healthy Balanced Mama podcast, because we're all about balance around here. But if you want to eat healthier, the best thing that you can do is learn some basic cooking skills and start cooking with ingredients, cooking real whole foods. And this is just an easy way to get more nutrients into your life. And you know, I'm all about health, but I'm also about flavor. So number three is learning to cook and learning to be a better cook is so rewarding. When you create a meal that is delicious, you did that. There is a sense of pride that comes along with cooking a really incredible meal, even if it's something that is seemingly simple, but so delicious and so flavorful. Oh my gosh, it feels so good. And there's nothing wrong to be proud of yourself for cooking a really delicious meal. And cooking is an art form. You can be as expressive as you want to be with your cooking, whether you're keeping it simple and you're just highlighting the flavors of those fresh foods that you got at the farmer's market, or you're exploring with new sauces or different cuisines or new spices and expressing yourself in that way. Cooking is art and it can be really enjoyable. So whether you are just learning how to cook or you are wanting to become a better cook, learning how to cook is cheaper. It's innately healthier and it is so darn rewarding and I can't wait to help you to become a better cook. So how are we going to do it? There are five things that I want to share with you about becoming a better cook. Number one, how to become a better cook. Start somewhere. It does not need to be all or nothing when it comes to learning how to cook. You don't need to apply for culinary school in order to become a better cook. And even though I teach online cooking classes, I don't even think you necessarily have to sign up for a class in order to become a better cook, or maybe not right away. That could be a part of your journey, and I hope it'll be a part of your journey to come and join one of my cooking classes. But to start somewhere doesn't mean that you have to jump into some place, especially if you're uncomfortable joining a class or you don't have the cash to go to culinary school because I know it's expensive. 
you don't have to jump all in. You can just start somewhere. You don't have to start cooking these crazy elaborate gourmet dishes. You don't need to get Gordon Ramsay's cookbook. I don't even know Gordon Ramsay's cookbooks, but I'm just, you know, everyone knows Gordon Ramsay. So you don't need to get a professional chef, Jacques Pepin. You don't need to get his cookbook and start cooking from it right away. You can just start learning how to make the meals that you are already making a little bit better by learning some of the things that I will share with you in this series. You can learn how to just play with flavors a little bit, learn how to season better. Just start somewhere and just choose one goal for your cooking. Is your goal just to make your spaghetti sauce taste better? Or is your goal to learn how to make your food taste just a little less bland? Or maybe your goal is that you are have already kind of made your way around recipes and you feel like you can follow a recipe really well, but you want to be able to start creating your own meals from scratch. Wherever you're at in your journey, whether you're still not quite sure how to boil a pot of pasta really well, or you want to actually learn how to make a delicious boeuf bourguignon, wherever you're at, I'm here to support you in it. And I want you to just start somewhere. Choose one goal, keep it simple, and start somewhere. Doesn't need to be all or nothing. Number two tip to becoming a better cook is to gain confidence with your equipment. First and foremost in this is to learn how to hold a knife. When I say a knife, I'm talking about a chef's knife. I am not talking about a paring knife. Mom, I'm talking to you. I'm not talking about a paring knife. I'm talking about a knife that can actually handle whatever you are going to cut. Your knife needs to be bigger or relatively bigger than what you're going to cut. You're going to be hard-pressed to find a knife that is bigger than a watermelon, but for the most part... Your knife needs to be able to hold up to whatever you're going to cut. You should not be cutting a butternut squash with a paring knife. And believe me, I've been teaching cooking classes for 10 years. I've seen it. You're going to cut yourself. You're going to hurt your arm. You're probably going to break the knife. It's going to take way too long. It's going to be exhausting. And you're never going to want to chop a butternut squash again. And that is so sad because butternut squash is so delicious, especially in the fall. And there's so many different ways to make it. You can make it sweet. You can make it savory. You can add it to a stew. You can add it to a curry. You can roast it. You can put it on a salad. You can have it as a side. You can caramelize it. You guys, get yourself a chef's knife, a good chef's knife, one that is sharp. Do you have to spend hundreds of dollars on it? No, but it needs to be a knife that is comfortable in your hand that you know how to hold. I teach how to hold a chef's knife in every single one of my cooking classes. I do not care if it is redundant. If I have been teaching somebody in a private cooking class, even if we do a 12-week private cooking class, we go over how to hold that knife every single time until they feel like the knife is an extension of their arm because that is what it should feel like. It feels awkward at first to choke the knife. It feels awkward at first to use a rocking motion and to use your body when it comes to cutting the knife, but the knife should feel like an extension of your arm. But that's not the only piece of equipment to become comfortable with, right? I don't think that you need a ton of fancy equipment to be a good cook. Absolutely not. I mean, I, there are some things I really love, like an Instant Pot. I, I don't actually think I could live without an Instant Pot at this point in my life. However, I don't think you need it to be, you certainly don't need it to be a good cook because an Instant Pot is about making things happen faster. It's not necessarily about making them taste more delicious. That would be something like a cast iron pan. But if you have a cast iron pan, learning how to season it well and learning how to actually use your cast iron pan and what to use a cast iron pan for, steak, and what to not use a cast iron pan for, eggs, things like that, okay? Just become familiar with basic cooking equipment. Become familiar with how to use a peeler, a Y peeler, 
no carrot peelers. We can't be friends if you use a carrot peeler. I'm just kidding. I love you. But please don't use a carrot peeler. Please go get yourself a $7 coon peeler on Amazon. Just do yourself a favor and learn how to use it. Learn how to peel away from you instead of towards you. Learn how to not cut yourself with that peeler. And um, things like a microplane. You guys have heard me wax poetic about microplanes. I love microplanes. I love my microplane. It is my favorite kitchen tool next to my knife. But learning how to use it and not feel like you're going to cut your fingers off yet again. Becoming comfortable with your equipment is going to make you a more efficient cook, which is going to make you a happier cook, which is going to make you a better cook. Tip number three is to know your cooking terms. You do not need to take a eight-week class in kitchen terms in order to just start learning things like mirepoix. So mirepoix is carrots, celery, and onion, okay? It's two-part onion, one-part carrot, one-part celery, diced small, about the same size, and it's the starter for soups and stews in French cuisine. So frito is the same thing, except it's minced. So they're a lot smaller. Just understanding and understanding what minced means and what what minced means versus what chopped chopped means, what diced means and what dice looks like, what a small dice is versus a medium dice versus a large dice. I know this sounds like a lot and you will learn these things as you go, but when you encounter something in a recipe or in a cooking class that you don't quite recognize, whether it's a term or a cooking method, which we'll talk more about, and you're like, what does that actually, what does it actually mean to braise something? Ask or Google it. Find out and just start becoming more familiar with cooking terms. That will help you to gain more confidence in the kitchen. You'll learn a ton just by learning something like what does minced mean? And that will help you to become a better cook over time. Again, we're starting somewhere. This does not have to be all or nothing. Tip number four is my second to last favorite tip and also my second to last favorite tip. (laughs) And that is to use your senses. We are going to talk way more about this next week, but I want to give you some homework. Okay, here's your Healthy Mama Hacks homework. I want you to do some research, some serious research this weekend. I want you to eat. Mm -hmm. I want you to eat this weekend and I want you to explore your food. Bonus points if you eat something new that you haven't had before or just explore food that you have had before in a new way by using your senses. Food isn't just about how food tastes, okay? It's about how it smells and it's about how it feels. Sometimes it's how it feels in your hand, like the difference between picking up a hard taco and picking up a soft taco. They have a different feeling in your hand. They have a different feeling in your mouth. There are different temperatures to food. There is food that is hot and food that is cold. There is also food that feels hot, even though it's not hot. If you put cayenne pepper on something, if you put cayenne pepper on pineapple, it's going to feel hot, even though the pineapple is cold, right? There's some heat to it, but there's also some coolness with the pineapple. You've got some contrast there. So recognizing things like the taste of foods, recognizing where you can notice different flavors in food, different spices in food that you might recognize, or maybe you don't recognize, but you just recognize that you've tasted that before. Noticing if something is salty, 
noticing if something is a bit more bitter or a bit more sour, exploring the different tastes, if it's spicy, if there's some sweetness to it, exploring the different textures of food, textures in your mouth and textures outside of your mouth, really just starting to explore food and notice the different elements of flavor and notice the different variety and contrast of flavors in food that's really good. And especially when it comes to your favorite foods, explore those, okay? Explore your favorite foods and why you love your favorite foods. Oftentimes we know that we love something, but why is it? Why is it that the miso cod, which is a riff off of the miso black cod from Nobu, was my most popular dish when I was a personal chef and I would make it for families, typically for dinner parties. So if I did a if I did a cater dinner party, or if I left them dinner, um, oftentimes I would do a personal chef job where I would prepare everything ahead of time and just put it in their fridge so they could prepare it when they got home and have a special little date night or something like that. But it was chef prepared. My absolute most popular dish, I made it over and over and over again, was miso black cod. And the miso cod is a combination of miso, which is salty and a little bit sweet and umami, so savory. And it also has some sugar. I used coconut sugar with it. So it's the miso and it's the coconut sugar. It's got a little bit of rice vinegar for a little bit of um, sour acidity and um, soy sauce, I believe. But I would use, would I use coconut aminos? Gosh, it's been so long since I made it. I either use coconut aminos or tamari one way or the other. And so there is the umami savory to this. And this is just the sauce I'm talking about. There is the sweetness. There's the acidity. There's a reason why Nobu is so incredible. Okay. So I I made a riff off of this sauce. I just made it a, a little bit healthier, so to speak, because that was part of what I did. I was a natural food chef. But the fish itself is seared and then glazed in this incredible miso glaze and so it's a little bit crispy so it's got the little bit of like the crispy skin and then it melts in your mouth with that miso glaze and it has the slightly sticky glaze on top you guys it's heaven it is heaven and then you can serve it with whatever you want i liked like a crispy kale on the side, especially one with a little bit of spice to kind of contrast a little bit of like um, garlic and ginger, maybe some red pepper flakes, just to to contrast the the fish that's a little bit sweeter and saltier, and then some sort of a rice. I think it goes really well with the coconut rice as well, which has a subtle sweetness to it. So that's that was kind of my favorite way to serve that up. But there is a reason that it sold so well, so to speak. When I say sold, I wasn't selling it, but why so many people wanted that as their dish because of all those really delicious and contrasting flavors and textures. So I want you to explore food. I want you to explore your favorite food and start to use your senses and recognize some of the elements of the food that you love the most. And this will also clue you in to what are some of the recipes that you might want to explore more of. Maybe the different types of cuisine, maybe different flavors that you might want to either learn how to cook or that you might haven't explored a lot of and you want to explore more of in the future. 
And number five is after you've done your research, after you've done your homework and you've explored food, which is something that should be a lifelong exploration, I believe. But number five, my absolute favorite tip and the most essential one I'm telling you is to play. Consider what you love about food, explore food, and then play in the kitchen. Don't be afraid to get messy. Don't be afraid to mess up. Don't be afraid to burn the sauce because then you'll know what not to do. Don't be afraid to, I mean, I uh, I was going to say don't be afraid to oversalt things, but like, let's try to not do that. Let's put in a little bit at a time and taste as we go to not oversalt things. But don't be afraid to ruin things because that's part of the learning process. Okay. It's It's like riding a bike. And I'm not saying it's like riding a bike in the sense of, that's a bad analogy. I'm thinking it's like riding a bike in that you've got to fall a few times to learn how to find your stride. The same thing when babies are learning how to walk. That's a way better example. But cooking is kind of like riding a bike when it comes to once you kind of learn some of the techniques, you can pick it up again a lot quicker and it's easier to to cook once you've kind of learned it once. But the analogy I was going for is you got to fall a few times before you learn how to walk, or you have to fall a few times before you learn how to hit your stride with the bike. It takes a little bit of time. It takes a little bit of exploration and messing up and learning what doesn't work in order to learn what does. So gaining confidence with your equipment is going to help you. Learning how to hold your knife is going to help you. Learning how to peel is going to help you. Just learning how to be more efficient in the kitchen in general is going to help you be a more confident cook, which is going to help you to become a better cook. Knowing cooking terms is going to help. Exploring food is going to help. But nothing is going to help you become a better cook like getting in the kitchen and playing and trying out recipes and learning and take notes. I love taking notes. This is how I would create, it's how I create recipes now, come to think of it, but how I would create recipes for my personal chef business when I worked as a personal chef is I would oftentimes like either take notes from things that I would eat when I was on travels and then I would try to put those ingredients together and take notes as I go when I am actually trying to make that dish or I would find a dish from a certain chef or from culinary school and change it up and riff on it and kind of mix it up a little bit and I would take notes as I went as to what I did so that I could replicate that and that's pretty much exactly what I do now except I write my recipes from scratch so I write down the idea of what I want to make and then I go in and start cooking it and while I cook I add notes to it and then that's why I test three times because oftentimes it's chicken scratch and I'm like what does that say and And that is part of the process. Um, Every so often on Instagram, I will share little bits and pieces of my kitchen when I am recipe testing. And it is a hot mess, let me tell you. But I should share my notes when I'm recipe testing because they're pretty funny. So all of this is to say that I just want you to get into the kitchen. I want you to start somewhere. I want you to remember that it doesn't need to be all or nothing when you're learning how to cook or you're learning how to become a better cook. I want you to start to gain confidence with your equipment, learn how to hold your knife, learn the basics first before you jump into more complicated techniques. Start learning um, cooking terms, culinary terms. You don't need to have a big culinary dictionary or go to culinary school in order to learn the basics like mirepoix and sofrito and mince and dice and chop and just these general terms and just start learning them and start practicing them. Most importantly, use your senses research, eat, explore new foods, and play. Get into the kitchen. Start cooking. Don't be afraid to mess up. And write down the recipes that you killed it at and that you love and keep practicing them and keep making them better. 
and keep making the balance of flavors better. Whether this is something you're creating on your own or a recipe that you're following, you can always riff off, off of the recipe and you can make something that's a little bit more you. You can always mess with the seasonings, with the sauce, with the salt content, with the ingredients. Play, explore, have fun. Cooking is supposed to be fun. Cooking is an art. And yes, there is a time and a place to just be like, I got to get this food on the table. I'm going to make something super quick. And I have my super quick recipes and we have our fair share of mac and cheese nights as well. And that's okay. But you can even take that box of Annie's Box Macaroni and Cheese and you can add some chopped up leftover chicken or rotisserie chicken and toss that on in there, crumble some blue cheese on top and drizzle on some buffalo sauce and you got buffalo chicken mac and cheese and um, somebody at a restaurant around the corner is charging $18 for that, if not more, depending on the season, especially here in New England. So enjoy it because you just saved yourself a ton of money and you made a gourmet meal. And nobody has to know, it started with Annie's Boxed Mac and Cheese. I hope you loved this episode. I am so excited about this series. Next week, we are going to dive into the elements of flavor. I give you a little sneak peek of that in today's episode, but we're going to dive even deeper into it. I cannot wait to talk about it. Don't forget to download the episode guide for show notes, special charts whenever I have them. Like next week, I'm going to give you the flavor chart and recipe links. Whenever I mention a recipe, as long as it's available on the internet or on my blog, I will share that with you. Thank you so much for listening and I will catch you next week. Until then, happy cooking. <laughs>